0: The reading this morning comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your words, I'm sorry, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works.
1: Throughout this past week, I've been uh, teasing and threatening the staff with this bullhorn. Uh, Different occasions, I've hit the siren off throughout and uh, startled not uh, just one person uh, throughout the week and uh, threatened that I'd be uh, setting it off in worship today. But I'm not going to do that and ruin the beautiful tones in your ears that you just heard from that beautiful music. But I will say this about bullhorns they get our attention right and when someone is uh, speaking through a bullhorn you know uh, that something is being said that they want you to hear that's exactly what's happening in this letter to Thyatira today when the Jewish Christians uh, hear the name of a woman whose name is Jezebel. It's a code word for Jewish listeners. It's a code word, a sort of code word to say, pay attention to what has happened in our history because you're doing it again. Jezebel was the wife of King Ahab. And King Ahab in Israel history is got the great distinction has the great distinction of being the most evil king ever to serve he married king uh, his queen Jezebel when uh, she came from a foreign land and she brought with her her form of worship and prophets of baal And those prophets of Baal that she led the charge with were not satisfied with synchronizing with Jewish life, which of course was impossible because there's only one true God. And so soon it seemed it would take over the land. Were it not for one faithful prophet, who said, no, there's only one true God. And a battle of sorts would ensue in revealing the truth of who God is. She very nearly succeeded in ending the worship of the one true God by her form of universalism. And so this code word, this named Jezebel, most likely she wasn't a woman in the church in Thyatira. Most likely she represented members of the church in Thyatira. And this bullhorn of a word would catch their ears. You see, they had intellectualized their faith in a community that wanted to find a way to embrace the world around them so that they could live they had a very sophisticated thought process those who followed the way of Jezebel and it's important to note you see Thyatira uh, was not a place as best we can tell as we heard in other cities although they were close and near together of persecution It was a place of the marketplace, destined, as one scholar put it, for growth and prosperity as a center for manufacturing. And one of the characteristics of this city as it flourished was trade guilds. And at these trade guilds that would, as one scholar noted, would meet approximately about once a month, if you were to be a part of them, whether you were uh, a creator of garments, the workers with wool, or so many other trades that had uh, begun to emerge and flourish there, to be part of that business, you would need to attend the trade guild. And as we've heard in other places throughout this letter To attend the trade guild would include often sacrifice to idols. It would begin with some sort of sacrifice. And that meat would then be served. Or there would be some other form of idol worship, sometimes even including uh, what we hear called sexual immorality in the text. Really, it's just another form of idol worship, which is in many ways what sexual immorality is at the root of in our day and age. An idol worship of doing what feels good for me as my chief endeavor in life. And so Christians had a very uh, difficult decision to make. They had to consider, was it appropriate for me to attend these trade guilds? Now, the Jews who were not yet Christian hadn't out. The Romans had allowed them an excuse to not to have to attend. But that was not so for the Christian And so they had to discern. And so they'd come up with some among those who followed Jezebel with some sophisticated ideas on how they could participate in these guilds but still be a follower of Christ. After all, they would reason, I have to feed my family. These idols aren't real anyway. I want to be winsome in this culture to reach others for Christ, goes the thinking. A kind of reasoning that we still have today. Well, I'll attend that gathering after work today, even though I don't feel comfortable with what they're doing, but you know, if I'm not there, then I can't make the deal. I have to feed my family. It's just business after all, right? We make those same kinds of sophisticated reasonings today. But the reality is, is that we have to be confronted and we are confronted in today's letter by the absolute truth. The absolute truth of who Jesus is and who he calls us to be and to have the courage. The church in Thyatira were invited to have the courage to live by it. Now, it's not that, by the way, and I'll say more about this in a moment, that that those who followed Jezebel sinned, that was to be expected. The problem is, is that they weren't repenting of it and turning around. Well, let's get back to absolute truth for a moment. I, I contend to you today that every single person in this room believes that there is absolute truth. And if you just disagreed with me, then you've proven my point, because you've now believed that there is an absolute truth, that there is no absolutes, Right? We are numbed in our culture today, as it was so in Thyatira, with so many voices of what is the final authority and truth, that we get numbed, we get numbed by the darkness that, as the Wall Street Journal reports uh, just this week, are showing up in uh, our, our social media apps and causing darkness. But it happens not just on a handheld device. It includes uh, the loud voices of our favorite pundits or the worldviews that get preached to us from every corner of medium that we listen to. We are dulled by the idea that tolerance means we have to agree that tolerance somehow means that there are no absolute truths or that we can't confess that there is only one way to salvation. And so we stay quiet about our faith in public forums, whether it's at work or at a family gathering, like going along with those trade guild meetings instead of saying no. No. Jesus is the one true God, the Son of God. And when we hear that phrase in this letter, the Son of God, it's the only time it's used in the whole book of Revelation. Contrasting the view that Caesar was the Son of God, contrasting the view that there is some other way. We sometimes might feel led to pray for someone and even say to them, can I pray for you? But we hold back in worry that we might cause offense. Or maybe we feel led to say, no, I can't participate. But instead, not wanting to be seen as an outlier, we sit in the back row and participate quietly. Quietly. Friends, we can, as I heard one pastor say this last week, we can make all kinds of mistakes as a people of God. We can pick the wrong color carpet for the sanctuary. We can uh, uh, write the wrong bylaw in our constitution. We can uh, even schedule worship at the right or the wrong time. Or we can pick to lead the right or wrong programs there's all kinds of things but one thing that we can't do is fail to remain anchored in the one true god and to come to him with humility and repentance that's the invitation even for those who follow Jezebel that there is forgiveness available for those who would turn and repent I often reflect when folks come to me with an idea that I might, on first glance, uh, disagree with. Maybe they're right, and I'll take time to reflect on it. Or when I'm getting mentored uh, by the uh, pastor who's discipling me, and I ask him to coach me hard, sometimes being coached hard doesn't feel good. And so I have to question, but my human uh, defense mechanisms sometimes pop up, but then I need to remember to be reflective and to be faithful to the word and let God speak through others in my life. What kind of bullhorn in your life will get your attention? The scripture says that Jesus' eyes are like blazing fire. That he doesn't miss what's going on in the world. He doesn't miss what's going on in your life or mine. He wants us to avoid the sin of universalism and of hitting the sync button on our faith with the world around us. Now here, Jesus loves his church. He's commending them. Do you notice at the beginning of this reading, he notices their love, their faith, their service, their endurance in congregational life in difficult circumstances. Yet he coaches them hard and says, but I have this against you, those who are following the way of Jezebel. It will lead to death. And her disciples, her children, it will lead to their death. This is not the way to life. They had patient endurance. And they had not grown weary in sharing love with others. But they needed to remain in Christ alone. This is a pattern that we see Jesus doing among his disciples throughout the New Testament. He graciously affirms us and gives his word of life to us, but he also doesn't hold back in telling us the truth that we need to hold on and hold fast. So where are you in your walk with Christ being affirmed and hearing his word invite you into his presence and also being challenged by the truth where we need each of us to be a people of humility and repentance. Are you in his word daily in your home? Are you finding ways to dive deep? We want to walk together there with you if it's a challenge if you're not sure how to give a reason for your hope as First Peter says then let's gather together around God's word in worship in groups in fellowship Jesus speaks this word of invitation and challenge it's a picture of discipleship that we hear among this church discipleship involves both those words of inf- affirmation and those words of challenge who is discipling you we can walk together there too an opportunity for groups to grow together so that we can be corrected when we need to be to speak the truth in love In 1780, Major John Andre was captured while attempting to serve as a British spy with Benedict Arnold. He was well known among even the American officers as a gentleman and an honorable officer. And so they wanted to treat him as such by his crime instead of the punishment that was deserving of a spy. George Washington, however, against the wishes of many of his officers, had the fortitude to say no. No, he's a spy. And he will be convicted and treated as such based on what he has done. Several members of his staff, including Hamilton, wanted him to be spared. But Washington was resolved that had Andre completed his task, the war of the revolution would have been completely, possibly, have a different outcome. And so he would not take exception. He would remain steadfast in that truth as hard as it was. Sometimes we need others in our lives who can speak the truth of what is right and wrong from God's word when we can't hear it ourselves. We would need others to help us be reminded to cultivate the work of the Spirit in our lives, to cultivate an ability to see the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, Faith and self control. Are those fruits being nurtured in our lives, and do we have people of the Lord helping us grow in them? For all of us are under the Lord Jesus. And are we disciples who are making disciples with the people we encounter? And so are we walking this Jesus-shaped life with God under his word, with each other, and then making disciples among those we encounter, maybe in our households? I know a mom in our congregation who sacrificed much to make sure that her children knew the Lord. Are we walking in this path? With the folks that we encounter at work, in recreation, in our sphere of influence. This challenging word that comes to us to the church in Thyatira and now to us here in Albuquerque also comes with a promise a promise of hope, the morning star. An image we first hear in Numbers chapter 24 and later in Revelation when Jesus says to us directly, I am the morning star. In that first century culture, they would have known the morning star as Venus, the herald of the day that breaks the darkness, that brings and symbolizes victory. And so Jesus is saying, He is the light that breaks the darkness. He is the one that brings victory. Andrew, or excuse me, Abraham Chow asks, how can these fiery, blazing eyes of Jesus that sees the truth of who we are, cuts us to the core How can they become our victor? How can he become with that fiery blazing eye our victor? And he says this. Hear this, church. The same blazing eyes that see our sin are the same eyes that stare at us from the cross weeping for us. He sees us all the way to the bottom and doesn't reject us. He calls us back to repentance. And so this day, I pray, may the bullhorn of God's word chase you into the arms of the one true God, Jesus, who sees you and invites you and calls you. He wants to be the morning star. He is the morning star. He is the victor. He is the conqueror. He is the God who is with us, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day. He is our light that breaks into the darkness. He is our morning star.
0: Amen.